these are the Stanley Cup champions cheering for us. Obi could beat the fuck out of Wayne Gretzky. Could you break Wayne Gretzky's leg? Because he's 24. The smoke blinds from straight 40s before I go out for warmies. We got like half dressed and then last for and we we're just going nuts. We're in the locker room by then. We we're just going absolutely bananas. What to do, DMV special edition episode here. We got a series preview. We're joined by Mike Carver from the ILC podcast. He's going to come on. He's breaking down this series with us from the event from the perspective of the New York Islanders. So, Mike, how you doing, man? Appreciate you coming on. What's going on? Good to be here. Uh, little Islanders and Capitals. I think it's going to be the best series of the entire first round. I think it's the most evenly matched, and it's going to be a lot of fun. That's for sure. I agree. I agree. It's a series. I'm not going into being like we're good. I'm like. Ah. <laughs> I'm a little tight butthole about some things, so <laughs> let's, let's get into it. I mean, the storyline, obviously, of this series is Barry Trotz, you know, our former coach here, our Stanley Cup championship coach, and now he's there in the island, on the island. I don't know how you guys like to say it. On the island. On the island. All right, so the coach there on the island, he's got you guys. He's got the team bought in. He's got the team playing that great defensive style, but how much stock do you put into that? as Barry Trotz, as our former coach, and knowing every single player's strength and weakness and inside and out of this entire team? Look, I um, obviously you get to learn a lot more about a coach uh, when he's actually coaching your team, and you get to see him day in, day out. You learn what he's all about. So for years, obviously, you knew Barry Trotz was one of the best coaches in the league. Everything that he did in Nashville, and then when he finally took you guys to the promised land, when you watch from afar, you knew how great Barry Trotz was. But when you get to see him day in, day out, and the type of stuff that he does, not just structure-wise, but even just talking to the media or dealing with the players, like there's just a different level from what was here on Long Island with the Islanders for so many years. I mean, you had so many jokers uh, that were coaching this team or running this team. When you get a professional, a champion like Barry Trotz to come through the door, it really changes the perspective that you have. And I, I mean, mine changed of trots within like three months of him being here. I was like, wow, this guy is a game changer. And, that, and it showed me what put you guys over the top. Because for years, what was the thing about the Capitals? What was it? They could never win, right? Exactly. Never win. Never beat the Penguins. Never get out of the second round. How many times were you guys the one seed? President's trophies. Never happened. And trots came there, and it took him a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But when you guys won, and then I saw Barry work every single month, I put the two and two together. I was like – that was the piece that they needed. Having that piece is such a big deal. And, and Barry's so good with the structure. You guys know it. And, and that's the key for me in this series. Like, he knows this team so well, right? Like, he right. knows the Caps. He knows Ovi. He knows Backstrom. He knows Holtby. He knows all of these guys. He knows Todd Reardon. Like, this is going to be such a chess match to see. Has Barry kind of been holding some stuff out for the last two years you know, they've played in the regular season. Right. Has there been things that Barry's kind of been holding on to, you know, defensive structure-wise to a big spot like this in a playoff series? For sure. And when you talk about a head coach like Barry Trotz and when he comes to an organization, it's not just a head coach. It's the, no. the staff he brings with him. And he brings arguably one of the greatest goaltending coaches that we've seen in NHL history and Mitch Korn. So let's let him lead into that. Let's Varlamov again, former capital. And he's been playing lights out. I mean, he, he was up and down, I think in Colorado. And then, like you said, now we see him here and he's playing a hell of a, he played a hell of a qualifying round. He's been great for you guys this season. Talk about the impact Varley's had. Varley's been very good. And just one more thing on the coaching staff, you brought up Mitch Korn. Here's another guy who 
I'm shocked he didn't get a job last year. Anaheim almost hired him. Lane Lambert's awesome, too. Yes. So I mean, good. Lane Lambert so is good. such a good assistant coach, and he came with Barry also yeah. to the Islanders. And I, I think that there's not going to be a lot of openings because I think teams are going to kind of do status quo because of everything that's going on with the weird scheduling and the pandemic. Or else I think Lane Lambert would be one of the guys top of the list to get a job around this league. Agreed. But just to get to Varley, I wasn't high on it when, when they brought him here. The only big, but there's a reason they brought him here, and that's because of Ilya Sorokin, who is the big Russian goalie that is going to be on the Islanders next year. Uh, I think that he was kind of like a part of – they had the same agent at the time. Uh, it was kind of a wink-wink. You know, you guys sign Varley, and we'll get make sure that Ilya leaves the KHL next year. I think there was a little bit of that. So I wasn't high, and especially the years and the money. Four years, five and a half per. I'm going, wow, you just let Robin Leonard go, and you sign Varley to this big deal. And he's been good. I think he's, you could tell this year that he was healthy, and that's what bothered him in Colorado. The guy was never healthy. The guy yeah. was hurt all the time. He was, yeah, he was kind of 50-50 here as well with that. And so him staying healthy, you can see the difference that he makes. And the one thing that kind of bothers me a little bit about Varley compared to last year with Leonard, and you got to remember, the, they're playing in front of a great defensive team. What mm-hmm. Barry and, the, and has done, and with those guys that the Islanders have on defense, it helps goaltenders out. And it helped Robin Leonard last year. But Varley bothers me, and you guys probably remember this from him being with you. He's got a tendency once in a while to give up some cheapies, right? Yeah. Like I, I feel like Varley uh, can hurt you with a cheapie every once in a while. And I think that that's the main difference between him and Robin Leonard, who was the guy on their goalie last year. Yeah, it's, it's like a half-wall shot that's intentionally thrown uh. on that to cause a rebound and it scorched for the 7-hole. <laughs> and you're like, fuck, like, dude – like that's that's it's, it was supposed to hit you not go right, in right <laughs> like he intentionally shot that to hit you but yeah I feel like Bali's uh, played well I mean he's a guy that you know we've I've at least I've personally as a captain you know, have followed throughout his career I mean it, everybody's got those guys that was were on your team and you really liked and they're, they're all other places and you're kind of rooting for him obviously you can't root for him now but I think the goaltending battle is going to be very good Varley Holpe two good goalies um so let's kind of look at the forwards here I mean you guys obviously have that first line of Lee Barzell Everle looking at the qualifying round what line kind of stepped up for you and what line kind of struggled in a way well look there's no doubt that the second line which was Brock Nelson Anthony Bavillier and Josh Bailey they drove the bus uh in the Florida series they were outstanding uh for the Islanders Bavillier scored big goals Nelson played great Bailey I think had an assist in every game uh you know they they if the Islanders get scoring from that second line. And they also got scoring from J.G. Pajot, who was their big deadline deal, uh, the guy that they acquired from Ottawa with the first rounder. And Pajot scored a bunch of goals. And then the second line with Bavillier and Nelson scored a bunch of goals. So if the mm-hmm. Islanders are getting that, that's going to help them because all the, a lot of pressure gets put on Matthew Barzell and on Anders Lee and on Jordan Eberle because the Islanders don't score a lot of goals. You guys know this. I mean, look, they don't score. I mean, they're trying to right. win. They're trying to win 2-1 or right. 3-2 every single night so there's nights where it's, it's hard for even that first line as great as Barzy is it's hard some nights for the Islanders to generate offense hmm. so when you look at the Florida series and Bavillier played as well as he did he's been inconsistent for me for for a long time now but he's still a young 23 year old kid and he was consistent over the four games for Florida so if Anthony Bavillier is going to become a consistent player that changes the Islanders into a you know, a more, you know, dynamic offensive team in their top two lines. And they fill that third line center with Pajot at the deadline, which is a game changer for them. And you're not looking for offense out of the Casey Zizekas, Martin, and Clutterbuck line. Right. But if you happen to get any, uh, you know, it's just a bonus because those guys are going to go out there 
and they're going to be – they're playing top lines. Uh, you know that they're going to see a lot of Ovechkin uh, in right, the Right, so I was going to ask you, you think, is that the line that's going to be faced up against yeah. Ovi when you guys yeah. have that last change? Ovi's going to see a lot of Casey Zizekas, uh, Clutterbuck, and Martin – and he's going to see a lot of Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick. I'm sure we'll get to the D guys, but those are the, the shutdown guys for the Islanders. In terms of disappointment, maybe in that Florida series, until game four, their top line, you know, they didn't get anything going. Uh, they, they were quiet. Now, Eberly had two goals in the game two win, and mm-hmm. he was great for them last year against the Penguins in the first round. Uh, but Barzi didn't get going until game four. And Anders Lee has been uh, pretty snakebit here. He's gone a while in terms of playoff games without having a goal. He had a couple opportunities sure. in that game four against Florida, but the Islanders need Anders Lee uh, to get going a little bit, and especially on the power play. He's their big body in front of the net. Uh, need a little bit more from him. I totally agree. I mean, it's, going back to that Florida series, too, I like it was so much of this is going to be such a good series. I was like, I never yeah. thought Florida was good. No. I never thought they were good, and you guys did your job. You handled them in four. You got out of there, and you kind of embarrassed them. I mean, you guys dominated that whole series. Dominated the entire series. I thought that they were the better team. You look at all these teams that were in the qualifying round, and, and the Islanders, you know, everybody's going to look at it as, well, how are they playing when the season stopped in March? Well, this is completely different. It's so different. Four, it's four and a half months later, <laughs> and everybody is healthy and rested. The Islanders were the best team in the Eastern Conference in October and November. They had a 17-game mm-hmm. unbeaten streak. They, you know, they were playing awesome. They were stopping everybody. They weren't allowing goals. Guys get hurt, and they have a seven-game losing streak in March before the season stopped. Yeah. They come back. They trade for Andy Green because they didn't think they would have Adam Pellick the entire playoffs. Well, then they show back up in late July, and Adam Pellick's healthy. And now you're not even playing Andy Green. He's your seventh defenseman. Right. You know, they, they have so much depth on the blue line right now because it's a healthy, rested group. It's big for the Islanders. And uh, I thought, I'm with you. Like, uh, I, I, Florida can be tricky. And you saw when they scored their goals in the series, they scored on the power play. Yeah. That's the only way that they can score. They have names. They don't have a good team. They just <laughs> but, have, like, the names. But they have names on the top line. So if you shut the Barkoff line down, which is what the Islanders did, similarly what they did to Crosby last year in the first round, mm-hmm. you, know, you shut that top line down and you don't have depth all throughout the lineup, uh, that's where the Islanders are going to swallow you up and give you a problem. And the Islanders are not good on the power play. And that's going to be, once again, I know it's so cliched that special teams play such a big part in what goes on. The Islanders took stupid penalties. And the only time that Florida scored on them is when they put them on the power play. And they let Hoffman sit there on that right circle and just blast Mm -hmm. goals in. You cannot do that against, I don't care what the numbers say, this is the best power play or one of the two or three best power plays in the entire league. You have Ovi out there, and you have Backstrom, and Carlson's going to play. I don't believe that he's not going to play. Yeah. Carlson will be out there in game one. Uh, when you have those guys, you cannot take penalties. It's the biggest thing the Islanders have to do in this series if they plan on winning it is staying out of the box and not letting that capital power play go nuts. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't take much merit into numbers because, I mean, I think we went one for ten in the round, Rob, and we were like the ninth or tenth best power play in the league this year and it's yeah. like you can shit talk it all you want but I'm looking at a five guy lineup of Ovechkin Carlson Kuzi you know Oshie's in there Backstrom and our second units even got Cole Woodchuck and everything on there now so it it is what it is I mean special teams yeah they're big in the playoffs but you never know what's going to happen but we're right there with you dude all we do is take dumbass penalties we took a hundred <laughs> dumb penalties I think in that Philly game alone the second period alone but I kind of want to go back to what you said about the interesting thing about how this is four and a half months later the injuries come back I mean we might see Dougie Hamilton skate tonight for Carolina. We see Tarasenko come back for St. Louis. 
you guys have a situation where Johnny Boychuk might be coming back or probably is coming back. You think we're going to see him in game one at all? It sounds like it. Uh, Barry Trotz said uh, earlier today that he thinks he's going to be available to be in the lineup. Uh, he got injured in game one against Florida. So everybody came healthy, but he got hurt in that game one. And he did not play games two, three, and four. Uh, Andy Green stepped in, did a great job. Uh, but it sounds like Boychuk is going to get back into the mix uh, for game one against the Caps. Uh, and, and honestly, uh, I thought Green played great. Like, I, I love Johnny Boychuk. He brings you a lot to you, but yeah. he's also 36 years old. Yeah. And, and there's times where it shows that he's 36 years old. Now, he still has those bursts where he's such a leader out on the ice for them, and, and, he does, and he's such a tough, hard-nosed player. But Green played great in games two, three, and four. I think that Barry's going to have to look and see what Johnny brings. He's going to put him in in game one, but he can't have the, you know, be worried about pulling Johnny out because Green played so well, you might have to get him back in if Boychuk's not up to snuff here. Yeah, I mean, defense is big for you guys. Obviously, we go back to the wanting to win two to one games, wanting to win three to two games, the tight games. Obviously, you can suffocate people with your four check. You get the puck out. But how crucial was that defense in the qualifying round, and how crucial will they be against the Caps team that, you know, has a potential to score, at least from the top three lines? Obviously, we were looking at Obi on the first line. We're looking at, like, Vrana, Baxter, Moshe on the second. But we even got a guy now in Kovalchuk who can sneakily, obviously, we all know his past. He can score goals. So what's what's going to be the biggest thing for the defense to um, shut it down and keep it out? Yeah, I think it just goes back to the Islanders have the ability to put three pairs out there that you're comfortable with in any situation. Now, they like right. using they like using Pulak and, uh, and Pelik as their top guys. So, you know, they'll see a lot of Ovechkin and Baxter. They're, they're going right. to see those guys. But you know how it gets in the playoffs. You get to big minutes late in the third period or you're in an overtime. And, and you know a lot of teams have this problem where there might be guys on their bench that the coach is scared to put them on the ice. Mm-hmm. It could be your third defensive pairing. It could be your fourth line. Barry Trotz has a, a bit of an advantage where he doesn't really have that problem. I think that he's comfortable no matter what the situation or the time in the game is, that he'll put Pulak and Pelik out there as his top guys. He obviously is going to put Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty out there whenever he wants. And Devon Taves and, and Scotty Mayfield, he's going to put them out there. So he doesn't have to get handcuffed by a sixth defenseman that's a bit of a hack or a, or a fourth line that, you know, he, you know, there's fourth lines around this league, even in the playoffs that are playing seven minutes a night. Yeah. You know, Barry doesn't have that problem. And, and I think that that's one of the things that makes the Islanders uh, so tough to play against because part of their the identity is rolling the four lines, rolling the three defensive pairs, constantly keeping guys fresh. It's one of the big points that Barry uh, likes to hammer home. Yeah, you're not looking at like a 23-minute first line, 21-minute right. second line, then 15 and seven. You're looking at like that 14 yeah. to 16 minutes up and down the lineup. So something that a lot of fans do a lot, I guess your common fans do is like, all right, who are we playing? Let's take a look at the <laughs> roster and what's the biggest name we can find, which is obviously uh, it makes sense for people, but who's somebody on the Islanders that is kind of under the radar, maybe a newer guy or maybe kind of a low level guy that we should kind of be scared of that can maybe score that big goal or will shut down Ovi or anything of that nature that will make a big impact on the series. And we're going to look back and if we lose and be like, fuck who was that guy and how did he beat us well i don't know if you want to consider this guy there because it's not like he's at the all-star game every year or, or but jg pajot um so I, good. let me tell you um so he, he is an underrated player in this league and this is like what i was talking about with barry before i don't think that you really appreciate how good guys are 
until you finally get to watch them day in, day out and see what they're all about. Because you heard for months, oh, Pajot's having such a great year with the Senators and Pajot's a big playoff performer. And then you watch him play every shift and, you, and you're going, this guy does everything. He's great in his own end. He can score. He can dish. Like, J.G. Pajot is a really good player. He's the Islanders' third-line center. They gave up a first-rounder to get him. Pajot is a guy that I would be nervous about uh, if I'm the Capitals because he's a spark plug, he's dangerous, and he does a lot of things. If there's another guy that, you know, maybe you want to look out for, it's hard to say you look, you look out. It's Bavillier. I mean, Bavillier is a guy that um, he showed you in the Florida series. Uh, this guy gets hot, and he's a streaky player, and I hope that that four games against Florida wasn't just a hot streak for him. I'm hoping that this becomes something consistent. He's a guy that can burn you. That kid can play too. Love it. So I'll kind of flip the script here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you off of pumping the Islanders tires here. I'll ask you this. What kind of worries you the most about the Caps? I mean, obviously we're division rivals. It was a 2-2 series this year, but this is a team that we've only seen once in the playoffs in the past like 20 years in that 2015 series. But we're familiar with each other. So what kind of worries you the most about us? Well, listen, th- there's a lot of juice to this series. And, and like you said, there's only one playoff you know, appearance against each other in the last 20 years, but that was a hell of a series. That's a damn um, good one. Let me tell you, I, I couldn't believe it. I sat up there in the press box, game seven, uh, down there at the phone booth. What do you guys call it now? I know it was the Verizon Center when I was Capital One Arena booth. now, yeah. Cap we we went Arena. from like four straight phone companies to know a bank. Right. So, kind of so I was up there at the in the press box for game seven at the phone booth, and um, I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and, and the Islanders just could not get a shot on goal the entire game. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, watching it. And Yaro Halak uh, almost stole that game for mm-hmm. the Islanders that game seven that night. I'll never forget Anders Lee walking by me. For some reason, Jack Capuano didn't dress him. I'm watching Anders Lee walk by in his suit up in, <laughs> up in, the, up in the press box. I was stunned. Uh, but if, then Kuznetsov got the late goal and, and, uh, and away you go. Um, there's juice between these two teams. They do not like each other. Uh, I know a lot of division rivals you could say that about. But you look at the four games they played this year, I'll even go a step further. The games that they – I think they split the four games last year too. Um, last year, I believe, the Caps won both games in New York and the Islanders won both games in D.C. Yeah, yeah, it was both um, road teams, won so every game. there's juice here, and I go back to that game uh, in, Jan- in uh, early January, I believe it was, or mid-January, where Devontae scores the goal and starts doing the Kuznetsov bird. The bird, yeah. Uh, and yeah. then the Capitals come storming back in the third. Worst mm. loss of the season for the New York Islanders was that game, blowing the four-goal lead that they mm. did uh, in the third that day. Uh, there's juice here. Uh, in terms of who you – I'm scared of a lot of things with the Capitals, and it starts with Ovi. I mean, that's easy to say. Yeah. But Ovi is so scary. And, and let me tell you – this, this Kovalchuk, picking him up, that's a sneaky good move uh, for the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. It, it really is because guys like him and Verona scares me. There's so many forwards on that Capital team that can do damage. Kuznet, I mean, uh, uh, Kovalchuk having a little bit of a second life here, kind of bounced around. He comes back to the NHL from the beer league, uh, that dopey KHL league over there, and he plays with L.A. thinking he's going to have a chance to win a cup. They end up being horrible. Then he goes to Montreal. They suck. But now he's got a little bit of life here, uh, playing for the Capitals, a chance to win a cup with his fellow Russian, Alex Ovechkin. I'm worried about Kovalchuk in this series, and also because he's dangerous on the power play too. So I, I always look to him, and Car- Carlson bothers me. Uh, that guy's so good. 
uh, Carlson. I just uh, I, I was hoping he wasn't going to play, but you want everybody at full strength. You, yeah, you yeah. want everybody at full strength for a series. But I'm like with you this. though. Like the back, he was like, well, if that guy's not playing. Uh, man, maybe a Carlson little bit better just, of a chance. Maybe he could just miss the first game or two. No, <laughs> you want everybody at full strength here. And, and you tell me, like from afar and just watching. Uh, and I watch a lot of the league, obviously, for work and things like that. But it seems like Holtby just isn't, uh, isn't obviously like he was two years ago when you guys won the Cup. And, and I think that there's maybe some cracks uh, that the Islanders can try to expose in the goaltending department here with Holtby. Yeah, I, w- I would say that for sure. It was a season where we gave Holtby a lot of flack on this show. Out of love, of course, out of love, <laughs> because he's our franchise goalie. He's our Stanley Cup champion goalie. But – he did not have a great season at all. He ended. He started to pick it up there at the towards before the end of the break, but he can be exposed for sure. But the thing is, he I, t- I turn and look at it, and he was our best player by far in the round robin, and that says a lot because hey, we're coming into this with our rookie goalie Ilya Samsonov that did not make the trip because he decided to go four wheeling in Russia. And he was yeah. having su- a hell of a year. He's such a good goalie, but now we have to bring he's, both of our he's part of, goalies. He's part of the big uh, metropolitan division, Russian goaltending syndicate. Yeah. We're that's just going to be starting here in the next two years between him down there. You got yeah. Shesterskin with the Rangers, Ilya Sorokin with the Isles. You're going to have all these Russian goalies exactly. in the Metro division, young Russian goalies. We're going to be really crazy. good. Yeah. It's, it's getting crazy, but yeah, Hopi, like I said, I, I I felt so comfortable watching him in that Rob Robin, which gives me a lot of confidence because, like you said, you can look at a lineup, you can compare the two lineups, and you can look at ours and be like, all right, they have Obi, they have Kuznetsov, they have Faction, they have the star power, but it's still uh, – it's just eat, eating me in the back of my head where it's like Barry Trotz is going to just fuck us somehow because he knows everything. He's such a better coach than Todd Reardon. You know, that, him, just because you're saying that, I got I to gotta tell you, I'm watching this press conference yesterday, or maybe it was after the game uh, on Sunday when you guys beat the Bruins – I'm watching Reardon, and that's kind of the first time they're asking him about how he's going to play Barry Trotz and you're going to play the Islanders. And and I'm not saying Reardon's a bad coach. He's only been at it now. I'll for, say it for you. I'll say it for season. you. Okay, you guys, so you guys don't like Reardon down there. You guys don't like him. Now, We're, look, I, it's hard. You had Barry Trotz. And, yeah. and I'm just saying this in a way that you're talking about one of potentially the 10 to 15 best coaches well, in the history I think of the it. I think it comes so, into play that – um, they knew they wanted to get rid of Barry Trotz because we had been grooming Todd Reardon. Oh, you to be guys our head wanted coach him. You guys so wanted long, him out of there. Uh, makes guys... no sense. But we're like, we wanted him out so we could give Todd this opportunity. And Todd's a guy that, I, like you said, hasn't had too much of a chance yet. But I uh, say you guys beat us in the first round, then we got to look at Todd and be like, hey, man. And Todd's well, he just a guy looked that... like he saw a ghost on Sunday. Like they're asking him the questions and he's sitting up there and it just like. It, it looks, looks like, like that the... on the bench, too. He looks like it's the last thing he wanted to do was face Barry Trotz and have to deal with these questions for the next two weeks. Uh, playing, playing, playing. Trots. Barry Trotz is a very good in-game coach in terms of the adjustments on the fly, the adjustments period to period, the adjustments shift to shift. Whereas Todd Reardon is something's not working. Let's just keep trying it till it does, and it, and it, and then and it doesn't. And that's the problem we had throughout the entire round robin is there were no adjustments in lines. I mean, we're into the Boston, we're into the Philly game. We don't get our first shot on goal until ten minutes in. Boston, no first shot on goal is until ten minutes in, and you don't change a single thing on the offense. Yeah. until we get a penalty and then that penalty causes us to switch up lines and boom, we get a goal. So then he's kind of forced to leave that line for the third period. But right. I just think coaching plays such a vital role, especially when you have a guy as intelligent and like you, we keep saying it, but knows our team as well as Barry does. But, but the, th- and here's one thing to look for. And, and I've looking at this in all these series is how much different is it going to be? How long is it going to take 
for the Capitals, and this goes the same for the Bruins and for the, we're seeing it with the Lightning this afternoon with Columbus, Mm -hmm. for these teams that played in the round robin, which were honestly glorified scrimmages. uh, I mean, that's what what they were. How long is it going to take for those teams to ramp up to get to the same level that these teams that won the qualifying round, which were, they were NHL playoff games. They had that intensity. Is it going to take a period? Is it going to take a game? What is it going to take? Or is it going to be immediately right off the bat that these teams that were in the round Robin are going to match the intensity of the teams that have already played four or five NHL playoff games. See, That's going to be interesting. People are me. so 50, 50 on that. And I'm on the side. Whereas you guys have the advantage. Every qualifying team has the advantage. We look like shit. Boston looked terrible. I think for the, the first game, at least. Yeah. Don't give me this crap that Boston can just turn it on just because they're now in an elimination series. I don't care. They're playing a team that just won in an elimination series. And yep. as are we, I mean, outside of Philly, we all three kind of struggled a little bit. And like you just said, we're seeing it with Tampa now. And it's, I, I put merit into that. I put merit in the team coming in after winning an elimination series over us who are just kind of just pitting around and playing some games and trying not to get the fourth seed, I guess. I don't know what it is, what it is. Like, <laughs> I think it's fascinating. I really do. Cause I don't, that's cool. It's like just turning it on. You're mm-hmm. just going to turn it on. You're going to show up mm-hmm. and uh, ballet. I think for at least the first game, these teams that were in the round Robin uh, there's going to be some adjustment period. For sure. So, Mike, we appreciate you coming on. We'll leave it at this. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because I know you'll say Islanders and I'll say Caps. <laughs> but I'll, we'll, 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 we'll wait in the middle and we'll just say game seven and we'll go from there. I, um, I honestly, I think it's going seven. I, I, I think that this is the – I wasn't kidding at the top. I think that this is the best series. These other series in the first round, I think there's going to be a lot of squash jobs. I think that Philly's going to kill Montreal. I think Vegas yeah. is going to run over. Uh, Colorado's going to run over Arizona. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of short four or five game series in this first round, but mm-hmm. this series is not going to be one of them. This series, I think right. goes minimum six at least. And, and I think seven, Definitely I think seven. this has seven written all over it. And it's got so many juicy storylines. It's got everything yeah. that you could possibly want. And hopefully it ends with an Islander win. <laughs> hopefully it ends. <laughs> love it love it well mike like we said man we appreciate you coming on we had a great time here your insight and everything it was fun to snap it around with you a bit um a lot of good stuff here a lot of good juice for our fans and like we said all the best luck to you guys obviously we want to win this you guys want to win it but it's going to be a hell of a series regardless and we thank you again man thanks for having me good luck to you guys i'm looking forward to it respect your team big time man and I especially and and I and I said this on the show that I do. I work uh, with Scotty Farrell on Sports Grid, and we were talking about this the other day. The party that the Capitals had for oh, two months straight God. after they won that cup, and the antics that they did throughout the city of Washington D.C., whether it be in the fountain, whether it be at the national game, it was without question the best uh, post-cup win celebration I have ever seen in my life. And it's yeah. going to take a while. <laughs> For another team to live up to that, uh, I respect the hell out of a lot of guys in your team. I'm looking forward to this series, and it's going to be a long one. Thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate it, my man.